Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, Don, the internet, and it seems like the whole zeitgeist out there is talking about one thing and one thing only, and that is something called chat GPT. It is the AI that has been released by the OpenAI project. And basically anybody can go and sign up for a free account and you can use the AI. You can ask it to do pretty much anything. And what's amazing is just how realistic some of the responses come back. Did you try chat GPT this week, Don? Oh yeah. I, uh, I dipped my toe in the water and found out that it can do a pretty good job of stimulating, simulating a decent writing and interesting perspectives in the form of people's opinions. And you can tell it who, what, ask it, what would Anthony Bourdain think? Well, Anthony Bourdain's been dead for a while. And yet I got a fairly accurate perspective of what Anthony Bourdain would say about Burger King. In fact, what's amazing is you can just type sentences and this thing can read the sentences and the commands that you're giving it and then come up with a response. It's not like you have to do a bunch of checkbox where you can kind of think about a traditional spreadsheet or database and it kind of fills in from various columns. It can read and it can interpret what you're asking. The best paragraph I've got this week is actually a restaurant review that I asked it to make. All I said is make a restaurant review with the following keywords. Don's restaurant, bad tacos, quiet, sweaty, salty Coke, mean service. And all of a sudden the AI within seconds spit this out. And here's the best paragraph I read. Unfortunately, my experience at Don's restaurant was not nearly as pleasant. The tacos were really bad and the Coke was overly salty. The atmosphere was quiet, but it was also quite sweaty. The worst part, however, was the mean service. I wouldn't recommend Don's restaurant to anyone. And Don, I spent all week pestering you with different queries that I made, different examples of how powerful this AI is. What do you think the implications are for maybe the world? And then you and I are both teachers for education alone. Well, I actually really thought about this is the promise of the computer fulfilled. And I remember when I was in middle school, we got computers in our classroom. Again, this was in the late 80s because I'm very old. And in order to make the computer draw a circle, you had to enter a command, a command like HT1, R1, D1, semicolon, blah, 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 blah. And then I can make it draw a circle. I was like, woo, draw a circle. That's pretty cool. And then another thing I was like, isn't aren't computers supposed to be able to figure out things? Aren't they super powerful? <laughs> because I'm drawing a circle here and it's not intuitive. And what's the point of all this? Well, this was what I thought computers would be in the 1980s. Like you could just tell it to do something and it will do it. And there's no secret commands or Boolean language. It was just capable. And it is now very capable. That's a really good point. You're right. It's almost computers finally being realized because for a long time, you and I were fed a line that, look, the computer is still dumb because it needs the human to input things, to tell the human, the computer, what it wants to do. And yet I think now the computer is not dumb anymore. And where does that leave us? Where does that leave our students? I mean, I asked this thing to give me an essay about the Paleolithic era. And it did. And it was a, a, an astoundingly good essay. But then I said, give me an essay about the Paleolithic era as written by a kindergartner. 
And all of a sudden I got an essay that was in the words of a much younger person. Not sure if it's totally kindergarten language, but much younger. I said, give me an essay about the Paleolithic era from a seventh grade voice. And it upped the language, but not quite at that professional level. And then I said, give me an essay about the Paleolithic era from a college graduate. And the language increased. And as you're saying, like, what are we going to do here? I mean, you and I teach online where students submit written work to, to us. Well, how are we going to know now if this is actually the student's voice? We're not. Fair. The simple, the simple area the answer is we're not. And anything we ask kids to do in class, like I will have the students make budget cuts, the federal budget based upon their desires, and then write a speech that the president would give explaining those cuts. That became very easy now. Because you could just put into chat GTB and say, the, explain the, why the president would cut Social Security and defense. Boom, it would be done. And it really does end a lot of assignments. But that's not the most impressive thing that I think it does. The most impressive thing is that in the article, one of the articles of the 31 texts you sent me about GTP this week um, was a our person put in a essay that had been written that was pretty good and it said make this better and it did it edited it and made the paper better i was like oh man that's a high level skill i mean i don't know the written word is dead didn't you send me those words earlier this week i might have and yes, I pestered you all week because I had nobody to talk to about chat GPT because nobody seemed very interested in this. And yet you're right. I woke my daughter up in the in the morning on Tuesday morning. I said, hey, tell me what you're doing in social studies. And I just had her do like a audio to, to text thing into chat GPT. And she gave some, you know, thing about the government and like the police and like the three branches, but none of it made sense. And then I just told chat GPT to have this make sense. And all of a sudden it did, it was totally cleaned up. It reminded me a lot of like when I was in college, my style of writing is when I was assigned an essay or a paper, I would usually like on the first night, just go and sit at Microsoft Word and just type everything I knew. I would just like mind dump all of this stuff. And then I would spend three weeks just editing and working the paper. That was my style to like go from just all my ideas are out there to now like, let me work this thing over and over and over again. And yet now you could just take all of your ideas, dump it into this thing, and you've got an essay within seconds that's going to probably be very good. And I bet you you will make few, if any, changes. I took one of my seventh graders' paragraphs that they wrote for me this week about geographic luck and civilization development, and it was not a strong paragraph. It was very messy. It was very confusing, very repetitive. It was very out of order. And yet ChatGPT made this thing look amazing. And I would have given this thing a four. And if this student knows, look, I can't write, but I at least know the key words that we're doing here. Pop that in. They're done. And all I could go with is, do I really need to teach writing anymore? And I honestly say that. I mean, I could sit here on a high horse and say, no, the children today need to learn how to have proper sentence structure and they need to understand what a topic sentence is. But do they? At some point, we decided that calculators were okay. You don't need to do long division anymore in middle school math. Where are you at with this, Don? Are you okay, are you okay if your middle school son never has to actually work on like organizing an outline and then writing their own paper? Are you okay if they just use ChatGPT for everything? 
Well, there's something to be gained to, by the process and going through the process and thinking about it and refining it and developing an idea and then articulating it on a processor or paper or whatnot. Um, and maybe, and that I think is something that will likely be lost for many people. My younger son who is in middle school is uh, always follows rules and leaves his phone in his locker all day and will probably still write the essay. That said, I think the vast majority are probably not. But I think it maybe just changes the assignment is that find the sources. Because, well, here's the thing that chat GTP can't do. You know, I, I wrote in there, convince me the climate change is real. And it did a fantastic job. I was like, okay, well, this is no longer a question that teacher could ever recommend, ask and expect to have a authentic response or anything else like that. But then I said, convince me that climate change is real with citations. It doesn't do citations yet. Right, I'm sure it right will now. do it very soon. But that's the thing. Like now, maybe it's like, okay, well, assemble the sources and give me the quotes. Pray, make a jigsaw of sources that shows me that you can convince me this is real because the actual action of writing is no longer accessible. And so, um, yeah, it is. there's something to be lost there. And once again, even more, there is a reliance and a critical skill of building verbal ability to interact with humans. Unless, of course, they just read from chat GTP like it's a script. And you can do that. You can tell it to make up a dialogue. In fact, one of my favorite things that I did this week was I said, please have a dialogue by two middle-aged teachers who like each other about cursive. That's the current podcast that we have out there right now. One person is in support of cursive education. The other person is skeptical of it. And it came up with a fairly logical dialogue between two fictitious people talking about the pros and cons of cursive. But then I sent you my next query, which was, please have the same conversation, but one of them should have it in the voice of Hulk Hogan, and the other one should have it in the voice of the macho man, Randy Savage. And the AI literally starts out with, let me tell you something, brother, cursive education is important. And then the next person goes, ooh, yeah, I don't think cursive is needed in the classroom. And Don, it's it's intelligent. It's smart. <laughs> It's stunning. It's just absolutely stunning what this thing is capable of. Yes, that is true. Although it's been coming. Like you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It's just the, it, like many other things. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then all of a sudden it's here. And when it's yes. here, it's a shock. But I remember hearing in a podcast not that long ago where or reading something that was saying that this is coming and the test is can the AI fool people 50% of the time? And if that can happen, then we're there. And the article that I was reading was about how it was, we're on the cusp of it. And now in sometimes, in some fashions, they can fool people. Well, now I think it can fool people um, nearly all the time in terms of submitting a written work. And in the, um, and also as a script or as whatnot, I mean, it's not that long. I mean, you could do have this in your ear, have it read to you through an immersive reader make your way through a date by acting like you know something about art history. I mean, it, it's there. It, it, it's there. I like how you're saying that you're going to make your way through a date through art history. Is that the new way to woo another person? Hey, hey you, if you're on a date and you want to seem like you know something, it seems like something George Costanza would do. 
You, I mean, you're kind of right, though, of, hey, I need some original ideas to be able to talk about it at, at the next dinner party I'm going to, or I'm going out with some people that, you know, seem to be intellectually curious. I want to sound intelligent. Why wouldn't you go and query this? Because currently, the, the current method you'd use is Google, but all Google's going to give you is the latest web searches of maybe some bloggers talking like this, right? But Chad GPT can get it narrowed down to some to some ideas that are really powerful. But this also goes to me in the sense that most Americans are terrible at writing. Most American adults are terrible at writing. We've been doing writing education since the beginning of time, and some people are better at it than others. And yet, you know, I, I was talking with some some colleagues on Friday about this, and they're like, man, I could just use this to to make emails to send home to parents when I want to communicate some ideas. You know, we, we played around with, hey, like we could make an email that's, we asked ChatGPT, please create an email to a parent uh, whose student is misbehaving in classes. Please keep the email positive yet firm and asking for parent support. And boom, in five paragraphs, we had a very good email that you could send home to parents that accomplishes your goal. And now all of a sudden, that email might have taken 20 minutes to write on your own. You'd have to edit it. Maybe you ask another colleague, hey, does this look okay? And all of a sudden, you've now just freed up 20 minutes in your day. And isn't that remarkable? But how many adults could use that at work, at the office, uh, to, to accomplish things that might have taken more time up? And therefore, maybe you become more efficient. But at the same time, does this also mean there's a lot of jobs like copywriters, journalists, that maybe are just going to go away within the next few years? All right, you dropped a lot there. First Sorry. of all, like it's it's much better than Google because Google now you get a bunch of ads and sponsored links and stuff, and you don't really find the answer to your question. Early on in Google, you could find the answer to your question pretty quick. Now you find how can this answer be monetized? And so it's much, much better than Google, which by the way is amazing, which also means that this will be monetized at some point fairly soon. This isn't going to be a free thing forever like Wikipedia. There's money to be made here. It's going to be monetized at some point. Oh, yeah. No, they've already talked about how like you're going to end up probably like, you know, everybody's going to probably start taking a bot off of this thing and feel so realistic when you want to just go have another conversation with it that apparently they might be, you know, charging micro pennies by the, by the word or the character at some point. Uh, for people to be hooked into this thing as, you know, call center jobs could be taken out. Uh, again, the copywriting jobs could be taken out. This thing, I think, will be will be blowing up everywhere. I would assume, ultimately, the big tech companies all kind of end up with their own AIs, maybe with their own different spin <laughs> of what they're good at. And then you just kind of subscribe to a service. And this is way better than like, I don't know if you've ever used the AI answer machine at uh, an airline or something. Theirs are terrible. And sure. I've dealt with that a tremendous amount. We've flown a lot in the last year, going to fly a lot in the next year. And our tickets are constantly changing because of various ramifications going on in the airline industry. The bots are awful. This thing's good. It's really good. And at some point it'll be monetized and won't work as well. So I think we're at almost, even though the AI will get smarter and better, this might be the peak right now because from here, the monetization is going to make it less helpful. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's talking about Dunkin' Donuts all the time. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, tell me about, you know, in the Randy Macho Man Savage describing a whatever climate change. 
Oh yeah. Oh, you know what makes climate change a lot better? A slim gym. Slim, you know, like it'll be something dumb like that. I mean, there's marketing people that are didn't sleep this week because they're just like, how can we get this? How do we get her in there? How do we get our product in here? How do we sell advertising rights within this? How has this changed the game? I mean, we're talking about the education ramifications primarily, but there's marketing people that are like, this is a game changer. How do we make the money on this thing? So it's not just us. Um, the second question you said about like emails, like, yes, I that was a wonderful idea. I'm glad you thought of that. I normally call parents because I have better interactions and it goes faster when I call them. Maybe I'll use the chat GTP to make up a, an email. A student has been absent seven times in the last 12 days. Send a respectful, kind, concerned email to that parent and like, okay, cool, great. And if Apple buys this thing out, maybe we just have to say, hey, Suri, send an email from my school account to a parent that I'm concerned about their student's level of absences. And basically, it's like, you know, the parents, they'll get wise to it and they'll say, Mr. McLaughlin's bot is very concerned about our son's attendance. Yeah. And by the way, this is how much better chat is than Google because than Apple, because I just said that with my phone near and my phone opened up an email that says, Subject, students' level of absences. I'm right. concerned. Well, the, the other that's part all that... that's all Apple, that's all Surrey came up with because um the chat GTP is so much better. And on a separate issue, did you pay pay attention that Amazon cut funding and uh and resources dedicated to their Alexa app? Do you think it's because they knew this thing was coming out and they said it's over, we can't compete with it? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. That I, happened I mean, like two weeks ago, maybe three. That I remember saying, like, well, they're cutting funding to Alexa. I guess it didn't come to fruition as they thought it would. I think they might have looked and been like, oh, snap, we can't. We're just going to hire Chat GTP or we're going to, uh, we can't compete. No, and that's a really good point as you've been watching tech cuts over the last month or two. Is, is, you know, I mean, let's face it, interest rates are high. So you don't have free money anymore, but. A lot of those pet projects, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, are kind of going away. And as they're all sort of, you know, kind of reestablishing themselves, as we said, they still make billions of dollars. You do see this interesting rise of a totally new technology that I think is going to weave its way in to a lot of areas and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Can it be contracted out to everything and everybody and be used for lots and lots of things. And you mentioned like writing letters is no longer uh, valid. That was one of the concerns of uh, Tyler Cowen, our hero, in his uh, Bloomberg column was that um, letters to congressmen, because congressmen have to read letters about potential regulation changes or something like that. And that you could just send limitless messages, all different, and have chat AI do it all. And so, yeah, that's maybe the most basic concern. Or our concern that students aren't really going to be writing about the wheel or the market economy or whatever. They're just going to be copying this. I think there's another level of like changing the game for everything. 100%. In fact, I was thinking about how, especially going off of what Tyler Cohen wrote about the idea of sending letters, right? To actually be angry, that's pretty easy to feel something about what your local government or national government is doing. But to actually sit down and compose a letter or even an email, again, it takes time, right? And therefore, there's probably lots of those things sent. But imagine now when it doesn't take time, 
and they're just bombarded on it. I mean, like the wheels of bureaucracy in some ways, I wonder if they could get so jammed up with people just, you know, running through all of this. And I don't know. I mean, do you need to hire an AI to read all these things to figure out which ones were not written by AI? Or do you now all of a sudden like have to send in like a video message of yourself and we're not going to do written letters anymore? Because literally, how do you respond to that? And I was thinking about like our school board during COVID when it was very contentious about whether or not we were going to be in school or online, lots of strong feelings, both sides. And, and our school board had gotten to a point where it was only reading letters that had been written to them. And there were definitely some letters that they were reading aloud publicly but still, I think that they were limited because not many people wanted to go through the process of actually physically writing them. Imagine if our school board had to read every chat GPT letter that had been sent to them. We, st we still might be listening to them right now. Absolutely. And we're already starting in a world of tremendous amounts of data. I think I've read recently there's more data created in the last year than we're in the last 400. And that the, just the amount of data we're storing from constantly having our uh, our phones or whatever doorbell ring doorbell videotaping to all these cars that are videotaping to all the closed circuit tv that's taping and all this data creation is just so many bites of space and then i was reading about an article an article about uh, lawsuits and when they turn over the discovery from the uh to the from the prosecution to the defense it can be such a huge amount of data. It's not gigabytes. It's not terabytes. It's petabytes. 30 petabytes of data got turned over to the um, to the defense. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of pages of things and, and maybe in billions. And so, yes, you have AI sorting it. And then you have AI writing it, which is going to lead to more AI sorting it. Are humans going to have a role at all? Or is it just computers battling back and forth to compose and interpret tremendous amounts of text? Well, that's kind of what I wonder is, is the end game of this is nobody can figure out what's real anymore on Twitter or online. And it's kind of like when I go on to Netflix, there's just too many choices. And therefore, I end up like just turning it off and not watching anything. Is this where like the end of the internet is just like, yeah, it's all just bots and weird stuff going back and forth. I can't follow any of it. Therefore, I'm out. And uh, I'm just not going to really partake anymore because it's just too hard to really understand what's real. I mean, like, I mean, how many people are right now fighting with Twitter bots over their political beliefs and stuff like that? Like they're literally fighting with the machine and they don't even know it. And I don't know, it just seems like it's a great canceling out, which maybe that's not a bad thing. At the same time, I, I was thinking a lot about how like right now, OpenAI is closed. I think they said that there's nothing after 2021 that this uh, particular program is using. Therefore, it doesn't go out on the internet to find out anything new. You can't ask it like who won the World Cup games like yesterday and stuff like that. Because I, at one point, asked it to compose a podcast transcript of you and I. And I said of Zach Abiel and Don McLaughlin talking, and it didn't really have it. But I imagine at some point it would be able to go listen to all of our podcasts or, or work through it all and then come up with you and I and our personalities going back and forth at some point, right? So therefore, like we could basically impersonate ourselves and you and I might not even need to do a podcast anymore. We would just have the AI do it. 
Yeah, I don't think it'll come up with quite the same ideas and it will probably not be, well, at least from our perspective, although it could, I'd like to think we have some sort of really good insights, but maybe we don't. I want to go back to what you're saying about the internet being too crowded and that chat AI just fills it with junk that it's hard to find anything. I feel like that's already happening. I mean, unless I'm going to a specific site or a specific newspaper, I can't find the information I really want. Last night, we're talking about getting a 3D printer for one of our sons for Christmas. I went online. I was like, well, what are the best 3D printers? I couldn't even find rankings. I found rankings, but I know that there were ads. And there are just somebody wrote this thing to say, put their product at the top or paid somebody to write to put their product on the top. I want like consumer reports, like a magazine that can tell me what the uh, unbiased rankings are. It's not out there. You just find junk. Yeah. And that's what this would be is just, more junk of just like junk writing and that somebody's just going to use chat AI to fill up the internet with spam about why Kanye was right about what well, all the things he's saying now. Oh, remember when we used to like Kanye can't do that anymore. Well, and of course people have already come out and started trying to test this thing for bias. Does it have a political yeah. leanings and, and, you know, there's early reports of, maybe some of the things that it says and stuff like that. And, and that's sort of a whole nother ball game to sort of explore. But then here's a question I have for you back to sort of the education realm. If I'm in your class and you tell me to write a speech about uh, the, the national government and needing to cut defense. In fact, I even typed that into chat GPT a second ago, and I have um, a great speech uh, for you here for your class. If I copied and pasted this speech is it plagiarism or is it just my original work? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's either of the above. It's just not you not doing it and the, something else is doing it for you. And it makes it hard because I was like, okay, well, could you have, in theory, somebody say like, okay, write a speech in the verse like the King James Bible. No, you can't do that because chat GTB could do that. Somebody read in the, one of the articles we read was, Chat GTP, tell me how to make a peanut butter sandwich using the King James Bible style. And it could do that. So you can't tell people to do it in this way or that way. I don't know. I'm going to have to say, uh, have people draw pictures to describe, to describe <laughs> their uh, budget cuts or something like that, because I know that this is going to be out there and just take it all away. Kids are going to figure it out quick. Well, couldn't you just say, well, hey, I had to still write the prompt to chat gpt i mean i had to tell it to make a speech <laughs> and therefore that's my original command so yes it is my own work yeah i've had the conversation with students before they're like well i just cut and pasted from all over the internet i wrote it right that's what I writing mean, is i never knew that exactly. that was wrong i was like Oh, well, okay. I, I was thinking about, you know, in, in education, there are things like IEPs and 504s, which are government mandated documents for students to help them achieve. Do you think we'll get to a point where we can write into an IEP students that struggle with writing? They can use chat GPT. I guess we could. That would not necessarily build the skill students' skills. IEP is supposed to correct for inequalities. I don't know if that corrects for inequalities or just takes the responsibilities away from the student. So uh, I doubt seeing that in there, but I've seen things in there that blow my mind. So, I mean, uh, But if you said there's a cognitive issue here and therefore like we're struggling for them to communicate, use ChatGPT, and all of a sudden 
maybe there's some people that for the first time ever are actually getting their ideas out there in a coherent way that they're being understood, that it's it's an empowering tool. Yeah, perhaps. I, I just don't know where you go with English class now. Yeah. Because this thing writes A minus work. Oh, A minus work? I would have given it A work. No, there was one editorial that you sent me from a, a high school teacher, or was this in the journal? Maybe no, it was the Atlantic. It was a high school teacher. Yeah. And he said that this thing made A minus work. And that's pretty solid. And this guy seemed to be writing from a fairly elite school in the Bay Area. So it's probably A minus work for there, but A plus work for the rest of uh, rest of America. So yeah, absolutely. That's what's going to be used. But I, I mean, the best use of it is to use it as an editing tool, maybe. And I thought that was impressive. But beyond that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just an instant answer to your problems. And if you can't, I guess, as a teacher, you require citations until ChatGTP puts in citations. Maybe that's not easy as, as easy as we thought, but you require specific citations for everything. Yeah, or just put the whole thing in as citations. I mean, I want to read you just one paragraph from this teacher. He was in the Atlantic, and he was just talking about the, the A-minus essay, although I would argue that maybe here in flyover country, we're accepting that as an A. Uh, <laughs> and he writes, which is why I wonder if this may be the end of using writing as a benchmark for aptitude and intelligence. After all, what is a cover letter? Its primary purpose isn't to communicate... I already know how to do this job, but rather I am competent and trustworthy and can clearly express to you why I would be a good candidate for this job. What is a written exam? Its primary signal isn't I memorized a bunch of information, but rather I can express that information clearly in writing. Many teachers have reacted to chat GPT by imagining how to give writing assignments now. Maybe they should be written out by hand or given only in class, but that seems to me short-sighted. The question isn't, how will we get around this, but rather, is this still worth doing? And Don, that's really where I'm at. What is the purpose of teaching writing if something else is going to do it for you? Well, Zach, there are some things that are invaluable, and it's a skill you have to learn and you cannot live without. Things like using a card catalog. Exactly. Writing in <laughs> cursive. Exactly. <laughs> using a slide rule. Yes. Or learning about the Sumerian wheel. No, no, that's a benchmark. You got to teach the Sumerian wheel. The uh, <laughs> That's the biggest hurdle here is that the um, benchmarks are written by legislatures and the legislatures are behind, way behind, really far behind in the case of the Sumerian wheel. Well, that was one of my big points I wanted to ask you is, what's the role for schools? Because I feel like we are going to get so far behind on this thing because we don't adjust fast to anything. I feel like we just finally got computers into kids' hands to try to solve COVID. And yet now we're dealing with kids that just, you know, play games and socialize on these things all the time. And we really haven't maybe even mastered how to best use computers in the class. I, I just don't think we're going to be able to adjust and really think through this in any sort of way that's going to keep up with what kids are going to start using this for. Yes. Especially if we have baked in, like in our building, every teacher is supposed to give the same final assessments and unit assessments. And if those assessments are a written research paper about this or that or whatever, I mean, this is just the solution to the problem. And kids are turning it in online using turnitin.com. Well, if they're online, this isn't going to be triggered by turnitin.com. 
which is comparing it to everything else on the internet. It is just going to be boom, done, turned in. I'm ready. I got five minutes done. Like it is going to change the way things work. And English teachers are going to have to really think on their feet. I'm an economics teacher primarily. I don't require a lot of written work, so it's not going to affect me too much. But if you're requiring written work or analysis that is easily used in the computer or just copied to handwritten, it's a huge barrier. One of the things that researchers have found is that when humans and machines work together, they're actually more efficient and more productive than if you just had a machine working by itself or just a human. And some of the examples they kind of give is like a human and a machine playing chess is like probably the best combination we can get. So I kind of wondered like, is that where instruction should be going is, okay, we have this chat GPT. Yeah, go have it write your essay for you. But now like you got to make sure you read through this thing to make sure that it's totally making sense. Are we going to maybe need to teach kids just how to edit uh, their AI writings better? So maybe we become better critical readers. You know, I, I just wonder if really it's the educational piece in this is how do you work with the AI instead of just pretending it doesn't exist? Because I feel like what schools are really good at is like shaming things. And therefore, like we will <laughs> shame people that use the AI. It's kind of like, remember you and I sat through the PD when Wikipedia came out 15 years ago and people were like, you know what's happened? There's this Wikipedia out there and anybody can post information and we need to keep the kids away from Wikipedia. And all we found out is that Wikipedia is one of the most reliable sources out there, arguably better than like Encyclopedia Britannica and its cited sources. And we don't even know who's posting there, but it was really good. But all we've done is continued to shame people. In fact, I still have kids that say, Mr. Bill, that's a Wikipedia article. It's just bad. And I'm like, well, let's slow down here. Don't we need to look at it? And I feel like what we're going to do is put up the, the big fence around the chat GPT and just pretend like it's not there, even though our kids in the whole world know it's there. Yeah, I mean, we could do that, but it's uh, it's not going to be very effective, just like it is with Wikipedia. And I hope that's not the case. I feel like we should find a way to require students to use ChatGP in some sort of productive fashion. It's like burning down the observatory so that you don't see the meteor coming towards your house. Yes, but don't you think that that's kind of how large organizations sort of maybe will handle this? Because I feel like that's kind of how we've always handled it. I mean, again, like, you know, what's our biggest battle right now in schools is is kids with computers or with phones that would rather go and play games and, and socialize instead of, you know, give us their full attention. And I feel like that's, you know, one of the great debates right now is how do you solve that conundrum? And I, it's not that I have any good answers to it, but it seems like it's usually the answer of like, we'll just put it away. And yet we all know that most adults and most people outside <laughs> of classrooms, they spend most of their time on devices. And therefore, have we really utilized the best way of, of how these things are going to function in society? When here's this like seven hours of your day where you're being asked to sit in a room and we're going to pretend like that seven hours doesn't really mesh with how the rest of your life is going to be. Yes, but I don't like the phone example because the phone example is just like a total distraction. It means I don't have to participate in anything around me because I have my phone and that's all I need. And it's very, 
it's isolating thing for students to use. And it protects them from having to interact with others and take part in this whatsoever. With ChatGTP, at least you can interact with it and say like, all right, use ChatGTP to come up with the best whatever, the best thing you can come up with, the best paragraph, the best tweet on that. And then we can compare and we contrast it. It could be a tool we could use in the classroom. Whereas phone technology is just a total way to escape from interacting with anyone in any situation. Okay. And that's, that's totally fair. I guess you get the um, curmudgeon student who's like, well, here's my essay. I just did it on chat GPT. Now I'm going to disengage from the class. I did what you wanted. Yeah. Well, don't assign the essay. <laughs> fair enough. But if I'm not assigning the essay, I guess that's my big question. What are we supposed to do now in school? And obviously people have been asking that question for centuries. And we just seem to come up with the same general answer of, well, we're going to be in this room for 50 minutes. We're going to sit in our desks and we're all going to stare forward at a human. But what is that human now supposed to do? I guess at least they could keep the kids busy by assigning them an essay. I don't know. But then again, I don't know what's happening in most classrooms. I walk by and look in the hallway. It seems like kids are looking at computers and teachers are sitting in the front of the room. See a lot of teachers sitting and a lot of kids on computers. I'm not sure what they're doing. Maybe they could do it more efficiently with chat GTP and continue to get back to whatever it is that they could be doing. I don't know what they're doing. You know what they I were doing? Probably no. They were all staring, waiting for chat GPT to open <laughs> for the last three years. They were just waiting for the, they were just kept refreshing their web browsers. When will this thing take hold, please? Well, here's the question is, you know, the M step, which is the, the mandatory state testing that, that happens now on computers. Do you think we're going to get some kids that are going to just start using chat GPT for their M step answers? Do M step scores go up? Can we finally show the learning growth? Everybody seems super concerned about how much learning loss happened over the pandemic. Chat GPT might increase it overnight. We're going to get smarter done. This is good, right? <laughs> We, we could increase our scores. Uh, I don't know if it's not as a locked browser on the uh, on the on the t on the computer. But if we're not closely supervising, I'm sure chat GTP will quickly bring up the scores if the kids care enough to get on it. I don't think they care enough. <laughs> and you might be totally right. Here you and I are middle aged guys that sort of find this interesting, the implications of everything Ultimately, it's just a lot of text and a lot of reading, and it's probably not as cool as like a cat on a skateboard on TikTok. So you're 100% right that like kids might just be like, eh, it's not very interesting. It's not worth putting in the time to cut and paste this thing over to my, you know, that that's it. That's it. They, there's another program out there I didn't get a chance to play with it where now, you know, you can tell the AIs to make art. And it's pretty impressive, the original sorts of artworks that are coming out by computers now. It's really getting into that very much science fiction question of at what point do we sort of just have human-like abilities coming from a machine? And not only like, what does this mean for education, but you know, I guess, what does it mean to be human, right? And I'm sure that we're going to see lots of think pieces on that uh, over the next couple of weeks as people really ponder this. But it's just going to be really interesting to watch where does this thing fit in our lives? All I can assume is that you and I are going to be now finishing our careers as schools really have to wrestle with this. 
because I, I'm not sure where I stand on it. I, again, I can take the old school approach of kids de- still need to learn how to write, but I, I don't know. I, I, I guess, do they need to learn how to write with chat GPT and not just by themselves? I think they need to learn to articulate ideas. And what that means for us is that less writing, which is one way for a teacher to assess the way the kids can articulate ideas. And you know what it does mean? What's that? More listening to kids. We're going to have to articulate their ideas verbally, which is brutal to assess. Many kids are not good at it. And if you have them all talking in front of the class, then everybody's got to listen to their often not very good ideas or poor articulation. More speeches, Zach. More presentations. <laughs> We're back Ugh. to the speech class. Uh, but, yes. But- yeah, that's it. And they can't, no notes, no notes, no note cards. You got to actually articulate your ideas and think about stuff or memorize your speech that chat GTP worked, wrote for you. It's, it's funny that you say that because I mean, this is um, going back to your favorite ancient Greek philosopher, Plato. And he wrote through the voice of Socrates about this idea of when writing sort of was around. And he talked about the idea of writing maybe not being a good thing, even in the ancient world. And I just want to read you Plato's paragraph because I think he brings up something really interesting because he was anti-writing and he wrote, for this invention, writing will produce forgetfulness in the minds of those who learn to use it because they will not practice their memory. Their trust in writing produced by external characters, which are no part of themselves, will discourage the use of their own memory within them. You have invented an elixir, not of memory, but of reminding. And you offer your pupils the appearance of wisdom, not true wisdom, for they will read many things without instruction and will therefore seem to know many things when they are, for the most part, ignorant and hard to get along with since they are not wise, but only appear wise. And is that what you're kind of saying, Don? Is, you know, we all have an AI, we can all look smart, (laughs) But are we going back to the age of Homer when people could remember thousands of pages of dialogue and that will now be the true appearance of wisdom, right? Wasn't like um, like basically a reciting things like a grade back in the day. The true Renaissance man could recite poems all day long. Maybe that's where school goes. It's just like, what can you remember now? Maybe that or Plato is shaking his fist at the young do, young people who are writing and reading that new innovation that's ruining everything. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, hey, what do I, what do you think makes people intelligent? When I'm impressed with people's intelligence, it's their able, ability to speak, think, and solve problems. And still that is valid. You can't just copy from chat. 100%. And I mean, geez, it's funny, but you you say for the last two decades, you and I have attended PDs where people are pretty anti the idea of just like rote memorization of facts, right? Don't waste the kids' time making them memorize these vocabulary words and these definitions. Don't make them do those things because we can look those things up. But do we go back to like, no, we're going back to like Stone Age teaching of just here's a hundred vocabulary words and you're going to be orally assessed on your knowledge of each of these words. And that's this entire class. We don't write anything down anymore. I can't see that happening, but I can see things should change and it should be different. But uh, I, I I don't know. I think there is value in doing some of those things, but I, I'm just not sure what the goal of education is now. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I obviously this is not a, like a, a new question you're asking, but if all of a sudden we're not supposed to like memorize a bunch of facts and now it used to be, well, you have to know how to communicate those facts. And now all of a sudden the AI can just communicate those facts that you never learned either. <laughs> I mean, are you just a blank box walking around just with nothing? There are some blank boxes walking around the high school where I teach. I but that's know. not the vast majority of kids. The vast majority of kids can solve problems and want to be able to do things. And in uh, my class, in my world, it is finding if there's profit or not in the long run, or if there's what happens to the supply and demand graph. Kids want to understand that and find that rewarding to understand how things work and why they work. And that's more than just articulating ideas on the written word. And that's what chat GTP changes. We just have to find out what are the skills we want kids to have. And maybe this skill is no longer valuable, at least in the form that chat GTP can substitute for. And by the way, we have to get a better way to describe this. Can we just say chat? It's the last three letters just throw me. <laughs> I want to say GDP all the time. <laughs> yes, yes, I get it wrong. I 100% agree with you in that I don't think a lot of people just want to walk around being an empty box. And therefore, I'm with you. Most people have motivation, ambition to want to learn things, to want to apply themselves, to want to solve problems. And I don't think that changes. But I'd also say, like, you know, has school been more of a tool for people to help learn those things and to help feed their ambitions? Or has school been more of a wall keeping them from achieving things and achieving their ambitions because we've always just dictated so much of what they're using their time for. I mean, you talked about the idea of, of an oral assessment and having people express themselves orally about their opinions and their ideas and what they've learned. And I totally agree with you. One of the things I've always learned about is how much have we maybe stopped students' growth in being able to explain things because we've always spent so much time on writing. Writing is hard. And when you ask kids to express themselves in writing, it gets so jumbled up and it gets so messy so quickly that we really stop on the idea explanation. And instead it's like, well, stop here. We need a comma here. Hey, this is getting you know a little bit wordy right here. This is a run-on sentence. In a lot of ways, we sort of stop the growth in idea explanation to just get to basic sentence writing. And I don't know, does chat GPT maybe allow us just to get to the idea of we are now going to fully explore our ability to communicate ideas because the writing process is now out of the way. Maybe this is a good thing. Like, again, maybe humanity is never is going to be able to communicate to each other in a way that's better than ever before. And maybe that's all positive. Yeah, maybe we reassess and start over, and that would be a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I, uh, I stand here with lots of questions, and uh, I will be very curious to see if this is starting to be talked about, because you were the only person I kept bothering all week uh, about ChatGPT. Our friend Dave McKay didn't uh, send us any text, as he did not seem concerned yet for his building, but maybe he will be next week. And I'm just curious what uh, what administrators are going to start thinking about this. And then at a state level, at a curriculum level, none of this stuff moves fast for schools, and yet the technology is out there, and uh, it's going to continue to build momentum. I asked our uh, our our media specialists or 
learning consultant. I can't remember her title. She was the librarian and uh, to figure out what's going on. And uh, she had not gotten back to me, but I said, this is going to change the game for English teachers. It's going to be a big, big deal. And kids are going to find out about it and spread the word. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I just hope that people don't go to, we're just banning it. And then we've solved it. I, I really would love to see. There a is longer... no banning things. There, you can't. Because kids can get on their phones. They don't have to use the school network. They can get on their Wi-Fi, their own, their own uh, Verizon plan or whatever, and download anything everywhere. The kids don't use the school Wi-Fi very much because it blocks Snapchat, which is their sole method of communicating with each other. So yeah, I don't. You can't block it. It's not taking it away. It's just it's not going away. If your son receives a zero because he used Chat GPT to uh, let's just say edit his essay. Let's say he mind dumped uh, a bunch of ideas or at least gave it some keywords. Teacher looks at it and is like, hey, this isn't your ability. And he's like, yeah, I used Chat GPT to edit it. And the teacher gives him a zero. What are you going to do as a parent? Are you going to support the teacher or are you going to be having a bigger conversation with the teacher? I don't know. That's a good question. Hope not to be there. We'll have to talk about it. Uh, the uh, idea, I think, would be if you have to write into your assignment or your requirements, you can't use it. Otherwise, the implicit idea that you shouldn't is not necessarily true. I wouldn't think teachers should assume that kids are going to be able to do it all on their own. Why would one? I mean, we've been using Microsoft uh, red underlines and green underlines to help us with grammar and 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 uh, spell check. In fact, I yell at my students when they don't use spell check because I'm like, you guys see the red line? Clean it up. And <laughs> therefore, isn't Chet GPT just another extension of, of some bot trying to help us communicate better? Yeah, it's spell check times 1000. It's it's all it's replacing the whole necessary methodology of writing. And that's the big deal. And uh, I, the skill gets lost. What's the overall loss? We won't know for a long time. Just like we're just now figuring out what happened to learning down during the pandemic. We're going to learn about what happened to writing maybe in 10 years, 20 years. What happens when we have no good authors, Zach? But we won't know for quite a while. Or... Does this become like an organic label? Uh, this book was written by a human and it's been verified by this new source that says not a bot or something like that. And that's the new way we now tell uh, what the difference is between uh, the computer and not the computer. Or maybe it continues to evolve and we don't need writers anymore. They're overpaid anyway, right? We could just uh, replace them with the uh, with the AI. I really like John Irving books. John Irving is very old. Could we just tell it to make write another John Irving book? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, I would love to get the opinion of our friend Mark Snyder, former uh, reporter for the Free Press. How is he and maybe many of his colleagues thinking about all of this uh, as they've seen its power? Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Take these tweets and assemble it into a story that's positive about Michigan football. Exactly. Exactly. And there it is. And therefore, you know, what are reporters thinking right now, especially copywriters, people that, that work for industries? I mean, again, I don't think anything overnight's happening, but I think this is coming sooner than we think. And it's going to be a major upheaval and adjustment, I think, not only at the school level, but obviously at, at the work level and stuff like that. For sure. Well, will you promise me then that you're going to help your son edit his paper with Chet GPT 
and then see if the teacher recognizes it. And then hopefully your son gets a zero because I want to do a podcast where you talk about your experience having the conversation with the teacher about um, why they gave your son a zero. I will say that that's unlikely. I specialize in making dinners and shopping. And uh, my wife specializes in helping with homework and keeping track of kids' grades and progress. So I do not have a comparative advantage in that. It seems unlikely. I think my wife hates space, mostly just likes technology. I can't imagine that will happen. But I'll uh, I'll, I'll see how that rolls out. <clears throat> well, you're, but Michelle is a very practical person. Do you think she would accept a zero for your son having used no, the no, bot to edit no, 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 the no, paper? No, 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 no. Grades are important, Zach. Grades are important. And I don't think teachers are going to give out zeros either because that would be uh, it'd be an avalanche of zeros and an avalanche of parent emails and admin contacts. And ultimately, that's who governs schools is uh, parents contact the admin. It's funny, though, you just mentioned everything that can be done by a bot. The bots can send the emails. Oh, the yeah. admin can send the emails back by a bot. And uh, literally all of this could be done. And we don't have to be part of any of it, except just knowing that it's being fought over. Chat AI, right? <laughs> <laughs> write a hostile message to a high school principal concerning an English paper grade. Well, you know what would be interesting is, okay, imagine like parent bot is upset Admin bot has to, uh, I hear your concerns, but this is our you know, decision. Parent bot disagrees. But then imagine if you told the bots, after you've sent 20 back and forth uh, emails to each other, please come to some agreement or resolution that we that both parties will be happy with. Maybe the bots can solve everything for everybody. It's like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, let's go back and forth. Just millions of pages of text, just going back and forth. I, I'm sure it'll solve all the problems. Won't breed discord for sure. Although when you take out the emotion to problems, usually the resolutions aren't bad. And if you take out people's previous bias or slights, they usually can accept whatever's been done. It's like an independent arbitrator. Maybe uh, chat GPT is going to you know, solve a lot of those kind of issues for humans. Or there's so much text that parents and teacher principals are like, ugh, uh, I don't even want to read this whole argument discussion between these two things. Forget it. Forget no, it, you whatever. would. You it's would, all gone. You would just tell the AI to give me a five bullet point checklist of the key <laughs> insights of the thirty emails that were sent back and forth. Oh, uh, oh boy, it's gonna be interesting, I Zach. I'm, I can't wait. Maybe I'll do a PD for the high school staff where I'll uh, explain how this is going to ruin everything. Yes, that would be good. That would be good. I like that. Um, and you know what? You could start out your PD your PD with my name is Don McLaughlin and I am not a bot. I am a living human, yes. although I cannot say the same in my correspondence with you or anybody else. <laughs> or maybe your PD will be, I am Don McLaughlin, I am not a bot, but I'm going to have the bot give you a PD. And therefore you just type in, please give this audience a PD about chat GPT and how they should use it in their classrooms, hit enter, and then just let them read it and you're done. If they'll read it, they'll have to get their AI to read it. <laughs> they'll have to have their AI, AI give it a three bullet point summary so they can get out of there more quickly there you go well Don I don't know it's a brave new world as always uh, I'm sure this is not going to be the last time we ever talk about this topic um, do you have any other thoughts uh, before we wrap up here no it's I, I, it's interesting things to think about and I there's uh, 
Somebody said that, uh, looking back in their life, they said that, uh, I'm glad I lived in interesting times. And these are interesting times. So that's good. I agree. And I guess my final thing is like, I remember still being in my college dorm room and uh, girlfriend at the time now, wife saying, hey, don't use Yahoo. Use this thing called Google to search for something. And I was like, Google, what's that? And I never really understood the implications of what Google came to be over the next kind of 15, 20 years. I definitely missed also this whole Facebook thing. I never really understood the implications of what Facebook and social media would become in our society. And I feel like, though, you and I are actually maybe understanding the implications of what this technology could become to our society. At the same time, I guess I'll say this, is this all just sound and fury? Is it possible that this is just something that's going to exist and it's really not going to impact society and that for all of these uh, prognostications and all of these claims over the last week about what chat GPT is going to mean to society, is it possible we're overblowing all of this? Oh, it's very possible, but it's definitely going to be a game changer for students, not unlike Chegg, which we talked about in another episode. Yeah. No, Except for know. Chegg relied on humans. This doesn't even need humans. That's true. All those people will probably lose their jobs. Yeah, for sure. I don't Man. think they're paid that well to begin with. But still, it was a job. Um, yeah. I don't know. Don, it has been a pleasure talking with you this week, and I look forward to talking with you this week as a human being and not as a bot yet. It was fun, Zach. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye.